Hello, this is Jim McKay, co-founder of the Elton John and Bernie Taupin Facebook group, The 22nd Row. I'm excited to introduce this all-Elton special edition of the Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast with Gary the Arena Guy and Dave Rettelberger. Take it away, guys. All right, Dave Rettelberger. I am, I am so excited about this podcast. I'm excited about every podcast that we do. But I've been ha- excited about this one for months. I have to, and, and I, <laughs> I have to disclose, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a diehard Elton John fan, so I have been looking forward to this special Backstage Pass podcast, all Elton John, Yes, for a long time. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a, a big, big show. From the moment that we, we announced this, there has just been a, a tremendous buzz, and uh, uh, we got a lot of great information here on what you need to know if you're coming to the show uh, about uh, ticket availability, that kind of fun stuff, uh, and even a chance to win some cool Elton prizes. We are going to have an Elton John prize package that uh, we'll give away. We'll give details later on in the podcast, but I mean, let's admit, we don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't know exactly what they're going to have here, but we're going to go to the merch stand, you and me, together, and pick out a special Elton John merchandise prize package for uh, a winner, uh, a listener to the Arena Guys Backstage Past uh, podcast. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, is, you know, this... this, uh, fingers crossed, you know, you never know. But this could be the last time that, that we have a chance to see Elton and here in Columbus. And and who knows, right? So this is great to have that that farewell merchandise and that kind of fun stuff. So we'll put a nice little prize package together, and we'll tell you how you can win that here later on in the later show. Later on. Also on this podcast, uh, we'll talk about the Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour that will be playing the Schottenstein Center on November 2nd. We will have no spoilers. I even when I was doing research for this podcast, came across a few things about the show that I did not want to know because I want to see it fresh. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. But there are some technical things that we can share on how cool this show is. We'll also have some of the Elton John hit song trivia, uh, Elton John timeline. I mean, he's got like a 50-year career. And I'm going to touch on only a few of the highlights, but we could do five hours on all the <laughs> highlights of his career. Uh, and we're also going to talk about some of our shared concert experiences because uh, I've lost track. I've seen Elton over 30 times, and you've seen him a lot, too. I was going to say around 10, which I thought was pretty good. But then, uh, you know, you you know, you know, are you are what they would call a super fan. You know, with all, You're even wearing an Elton John shirt today. I am. This shirt is uh, the album cover artwork for an album called 171170. And the 17 stands for the day, 11 is the month. That's how they do it in England. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, in some of the American releases, it was 11, 11 17, 17, 70. 70. That's kind of what I always called it, yeah. The original release was 17, 11, 70. And what does it say on my shirt? It's uh, 17, 11, 70, yeah. And what's cool about this is that this was a concert that Elton did with, uh, it was a trio at the time, with Nigel Olson on drums and D. Murray, the late, great D. Murray on bass. And they did this concert for uh, WNEW in New York City. It was a radio show. Right. And back in those days, bootleg albums were very common. Not so much anymore because YouTube shows all these live performances, and so you can see live performances all the time. But back then, you get uh, bootleg uh, albums of live shows. Especially these radio shows where people would capture them, and they'd actually, you'd actually press them onto vinyl. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. And the quality on the radio shows were much better than somebody with a tape recorder in the audience, <laughs> which happened too. <laughs> so the album did not get released for many years after 1970, but it was one of the top-selling bootleg albums of all time. 
And then they finally decided to release it a couple years later, and it's got an early version of your song. I feel like it's so raw, and the energy is so real. It's one of the great live albums of all time. And if you haven't heard that album, and chances are a lot of people listening probably have not, it is an amazing live album. It's so true to his art at the time. Yeah, and with a little bit of a little bit of the the Beatles uh, yeah. get back that's uh, that that he does in there. And uh, God, boy, it's just some of the songs go on forever, and it's just it is a it is a great live album. It's one of those ones that I recently put on. I was driving uh, to Illinois. So I like to listen to it from beginning to end, so I get that full concert you yeah. know, feel from you know not just that twenty minutes that you're in the car on the way to work, right? So yeah. and and uh, oh man, just a great, great live album. You're and absolutely right. Then a few years ago, they re-released it with additional tracks to make it the whole album. So that is very cool. So Elton John coming to the Schottenstein Center November second. I couldn't be more excited, and I know that uh, we are not the only ones. I know you are too. Uh, this show is really when we announced it and when we went on sale was really the talk of Columbus. Absolutely. This is this is a show that you know kind of breaks through the barriers. So many different age levels, uh, uh, you know, uh, dem the demographics are just so varied, right? Where people, you know, uh, uh, my son who is uh, uh, 16 years old was very he's like dad, I got to get tickets, right? <laughs> like, oh god. <laughs> Cuz I know they're not giving me any comps on this one. This one's going to sell well, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, to the the upper end of the demographics, right? So people feel like this could be the last real chance to see Elton. He's he's not retiring from music, he's retiring from the road. Is Yeah, let's make that clear. When he said he was retiring uh, from he was retiring from touring. He did a major announcement uh, that was uh, simulcast, really, in Los Angeles, New York, and London. And, uh, it, and it also was streamed live, and it crashed. So many people tuned in, it crashed. <laughs> but it, the announcement was he was going on a three-year-plus tour, over 300 dates, to wrap up his touring Years his farewell yeah, sure. to touring, but he's not uh, giving up uh, recording, uh, doing other shows. You know, he may play Vegas. Who knows? Nobody knows what he's going to do. But as far as the long tours go, he's not going to do that anymore after this tour. And, and you know, he hasn't uh, uh, played uh, Columbus in, in, in quite a while. It's been one of those things where you know, there was a, there were a couple years. Uh, I will tell you, okay, this is this is my one of my funny uh, um, just in the way your brain works, right? <laughs> it was 1992. Okay, the one tour for Elton, right? Uh, that was one of my favorites. It was one of your favorites, yeah. right? And um, uh, Elton was coming to Riverbend down in Cincinnati. And he had, a, he had a song called If the River Can Bend off that album. There you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to go because I felt that this could be one of my last chances to see Elton. Because he'd been on the road for so long, right? So, And I had never seen Elton before. So my first time was 92, and I thought that might... And after that, I saw him like every year for, for many, many years, uh, including I had a chance to see him uh, you know, when he played with, uh, of course, Billy Joel. Yeah. Didn't get to see it at the, at the stadium uh, here, but I saw it. I traveled to Indy to see the show. And that is so funny. It's a little bit funny because, <laughs> to, to, uh, that's a pun from <laughs> your song. Um, I saw that same show in Indy. Really? With, we were there. We didn't know each other. The RCA then. Dome, like yeah. the, big, the big inflatable roof. It was awesome. It was such a great show. Early on in the Elton Billy tours, they would uh, come out together and perform a couple of songs together. Yeah. Then they would alternate as far as who would open the show. I wouldn't call either one an opening act, but no. they would alternate who would open the show. And then midway through that set, the other artists would come on and they would do 
uh, a, a cover, cover version, yeah, and then to finish out, and then and then uh, the other artist would do their set. The one that wasn't performing that second set would come out, do a cover, and then at the end, both bands came out and they did stuff together, including uh, I, I remember Hard Day's Night, yeah, and, and for sure, some of their own hits. I mean. Yeah, I remember Billy Joel doing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, yeah. right? That was yeah. just so cool. And, and Elton wasn't really doing that song at that time because, as you know, that song is very much in falsetto yeah, sure. in a lot of parts, and he had lost that part of his voice. He does it now, does it a little bit differently, but at the time, he kind of quit doing it for a while. So Billy Joel did that song. and I tell you, that was, that, that was spectacular. That was a pretty uh, amazing, uh, amazing show. Uh, for those of us who were, were, were not going to be there. I didn't know you then, but that's cool. We were at that show I know, together. Same uh, show. My uh, first okay. show was, uh, I don't even want to say, but it was, uh, I was in college, and uh, he was playing the Auditorium Theater in Chicago. Okay. So it was very small. He was used to selling out arenas and even stadiums at that time. And uh, there was a lottery, two shows. And we, a couple of buddies of mine at Illinois State University did the lottery. We got a place in the ladder where you got front row seats. Nice. My first show ever <laughs> was seeing Elton John and Ray Cooper, his percussionist, yep. in that show together. Solo concert. He did a lot of material he hadn't done with his full band before. It was so great. Then we went the second night. Second night, the seats were not front row. But that was my first time seeing Elton. Then the next year... So you went two nights in a row. I did. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was awesome. I was in Seventh Heaven and... Um, then the next year, he toured for the album called 21 at 33, which had the hit song Little Genie on yep, it. Sure. And that was with the full band. And that was so great to see the contrast. They were both so good. And then I haven't missed a tour since. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, uh, you talk about being in the front row. I've only been in the front row for Elton once. Oh. And I, the way I did it, I, I shouldn't have done it. I'm not going to. It's something that if somebody did today I, I, here at the venue, I'd get mad, right? But it was, it was Elton uh, playing at. Um, uh, boy, what's the, you were just down there, uh, the the arena down in Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, I don't, what's, it, what's it called? US, U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank. You know, it's, well, it wasn't the, at that point. It was something different, but it was Elton playing a solo tour with Rake again. Uh, there on percussion, and I'm there and uh, um, with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and we looked down in the front row as the show's starting, and there were empty seats right in front of Elton's piano. Oh, seriously? Right, and we were like. Those seats are just sitting empty, and then so we're like, "All right." So we and it was because it was a sit-down show with Elton acoustic. Security was very kind of like you know just kind of letting everybody. They were very seated, so we just walked into that front row, took those seats right from the piano, and nobody ever came and said anything. We sat the entire show there in the front row. Elton came down and shook our hands. Oh, you know, really? Uh, wow. Um, uh, you know, and, and it was like one of those things where you're like, okay, I'm, you're always waiting for somebody to say you're not supposed to be there, which is what we would do now because our security team here at the shot yes. would never let that happen. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a different world now. Uh, I will also post on the Arena Guy uh, Facebook page. Follow the Arena Guy on Facebook. Uh, the first time I met, I met Elton John. Very jealous. In Austin, Texas. I actually flew from Champaign, Illinois to Austin, Texas because one of my uh, best friends – uh, was the director of the Frank Irwin Center at the University of Texas in Austin. And uh, he said, come on down, come and see the show. I have no idea if uh, you'll be able to meet Elton, but uh, if it works out, uh, you can hang out with me backstage. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, at least you can experience backstage. <laughs> and that was during the one tour that we talked about. So this was like 92 probably, like you said earlier. And uh, all I remember is that uh, Louis Messina, 
<laughs> one of the big concert gurus. Yeah, was there. And uh, uh, John, my friend, uh, took a, a photo with the building and said, would you mind taking a photo with my, my friend here, Gary? And he said, and I was kind of nervous because, Elton, you need to check out a documentary called Tantrums and Tierras. <laughs> it is so good. And <laughs> Elton is known for having a bit of a temper. Just a he, bit. He's also known uh, to be a real sweetheart, a the super guy. Yeah, right. And so you never know what you might get. You don't know what happened in the day. Sure. I was really nervous to meet him because if it was a bad day, I was worried it might ruin my fandom because I was such a yeah, fan. Yeah, sure. I, it's, it's happened. Yeah. It's happened so, to you and I both. And he said, sure. And so we've got a photo that's uh, uh, I'll, I'll put on the uh, Arena Guy Facebook page that I will treasure. It's in black and white, and it's, it's so – I still get chills to this day oh, thinking great. about that. And uh, he broke the uh, – all-time gross ticket sales record at, at, for the Frank Irwin Center at the time, and that was mentioned. And all I remember is him, he kind of turned into junior high mode and said gross and kind of laughed. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that was that. Um, well, well, let's... I was going to say, I know we've got some more stories to share, plus we have, we have an expert coming up too right here yeah. in a few minutes. And then you have an Elton John costume. I do. I want to hear that story because uh, I've known this fact for years, but I, I never know, knew how it happened and, and, and the kind of story behind it. So I want to hear that. Plus, we have some fun, some fun trivia coming up uh, about Elton, some of Elton's biggest hits. Uh, so stick around. We'll have that. And plus uh, details on how you can win that great prize package here in just a few minutes on the Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast. Elton John. Your last chance to see him live on tour. Friday, November 2nd, Schottenstein Center. Farewell, Yellow Brick Road Tour. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations. Online at Ticketmaster.com or by phone. Don't miss the last time to see Elton John live on tour. Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie, John McVie, Mick Fleetwood, Neil Finn, Mike Campbell, Fleetwood Mac. November 7th, Nationwide Arena. The legacy continues with all the songs you know and love. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com, venue, box office, or by phone. The Mac is back. Fleetwood Mac. Wow, a couple of really fantastic shows there. Of course, Elton John, which is the topic of our Backstage Pass podcast today, and Fleetwood Mac. And you know, and Phil Collins, right? You know, I mean, it's just it's it's we're having some good shows, man. Some it's a good great time. shows. You can find out about all the shows at the Schottenstein Center and Nationwide Arena by going to our website, SchottensteinCenter.com or NationwideArena.com. Now, uh, before we uh, uh, get into the costume story, you know, I, I okay. want to just tell you a couple other times I, I, I happened to uh, be lucky enough to uh, uh, see Elton. I remember at Polaris Amphitheater. Okay. Right? He was doing a show there, and we were driving. And this is why, this is why we do the podcast, right, for invi- inside stuff like this. Don't be late, right? Don't <laughs> right. be late when you show up. Because I remember it was like, an, it was like a 7 o'clock ticket time, and Elton went on at 7 Right, like right away, open up with "Take Me to the Pilot," and I remember we were out, like kind of like getting, you know, getting our refreshments, getting our drinks, and all of a sudden you hear Elton take the stage. I remember just like running in, like, like just. So it's one of those things. It's an Elton John show, right? This is not a show. This is this is a, a big night. We're gonna have a uh, capacity crowd here at the arena, and you definitely are gonna want to give yourself that time to you know arrive early and, and make sure you don't you don't miss any of the show. Were, did you make every show that you had tickets to? Was there every show that you were you were late to, or, or oh, didn't? Oh, never. 
Yeah. Never. I remember being scolded a lot. I would I would get early get uh, to the venues early, especially the outdoor shows because a lot of times I had lawn seats. Yeah, sure. Like they probably do they have it Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Uh, that was before my time, but uh yeah, like at Poplar Creek in Chicago or Deer Creek uh in Indiana, uh I would get there early and then when they opened the the doors, I guess you would call it, the gates whatever, I would run to try to get the best seat, best seat in the, the lawn. lawn, right? And they would <laughs> yell at me, "Slow down, no walking!" And I, of course, would, I would break every rule that uh, you know we try, you know, that would not happen today because security is so different. But just run, and I would pretend I didn't hear them, <laughs> and I would get, I would get the seat I needed and wanted, and uh, it was just awesome. And I remember one show, I think it was Poplar Creek, where I saw the helicopter arrive, and you just knew out what was in there, and the helicopter landed, and about ten minutes later, the show started. That's pretty cool. Just right off the helicopter. Yeah, it's kind of like Beyonce and Jay-Z. I was, uh, you know, outside Ohio Stadium, you know, uh, last month, and uh, and I saw, you know, this motorcade with a police escort, and you just knew it was Beyonce and Jay-Z. You're pulling right up. So you just get a feeling yeah. when, when, the, when the artist arrives. That's pretty cool. So I got to see, you know, I've seen Elton, you know, quite a few times, but I saw him, of course, at, at Polaris and then, uh, you know, uh, here at the, at the shot in Nationwide Arena. Uh, the Nutter Center down in down in Dayton Riverbend. Uh, so many times is there is there one concert for you out of those out of those thirty? You know the first one always holds a special place in your heart, right? Uh, oh. But but is there one show for you that really stands out for you as as your favorite Elton show? I think it was the first one because uh, I'd been a fan for so long. Yeah. Uh, at that time, like five years only, but it seemed <laughs> I was such a fan. The first album I ever bought was Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Ever ever not ever. first Elton album first album you ever, ever. bought. And there's something about it that I then bought every new album, and then I started backtracking. And it was during that time that he'd put out two to three albums a year, yeah. which is unbelievable because a lot of artists now come out with an album every, like, six years. So uh, that first concert and being in the front row was pretty awesome. The next concert with the band was really cool. Uh, I'll mention two others. Austin, Texas, I watched the show from the side of the stage. Of course, I met Elton. Elton but... Uh, on the side of the stage with Steve Smith and Howard Rose. They didn't know me. Okay. They didn't know I was standing next right. to them. But they were on the side of the stage. And uh, I remember Elton played Empty Garden, which is a song he wrote about John Lennon uh, after right. John Lennon had passed away. as a tribute song. And I just remember Steve Smith and Howard Rose saying, I can't believe he's doing that. He's, he, he hasn't performed that in a long time. And he hadn't because he said it was a very emotional song. They were, they were best friends. Uh, Elton is uh, John Lennon's son's godfather. And uh, the last time John Lennon was on stage ever was uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1974, in Madison Square Garden at an Elton John show. So there was a lot of connection there. Um, so that was awesome. I also saw Elton here at the shot. I came from Champaign, Illinois, to Columbus, Ohio, to see him at the shot. I don't remember the year, but I just remember he's wearing a red yeah. uh, suit and very subdued for what he used to look like. And that was so good, too. So you and I have seen Elton John together a couple times. We just didn't know it. We just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> now, the one thing that I do know about you is that you own an Elton John costume. Now, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of certain artists, but I've never owned a, a costume. How did you come into possession, and, and what is this piece, and, and, and uh, what's going on there, Gare? I, uh, <laughs> well, for one, I love music and entertainment, and I love to collect memorabilia. Yeah, sure. So... All kinds of memorabilia, and uh, people make fun of me for it. But hey, that's just me. <laughs> so, uh, okay. I there's so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was watching Entertainment Tonight. Okay, this is probably 
gosh, well, in the in the late nineties, probably um, late nineties, yeah. And I was watching Entertainment Tonight, and there was a story on Elton John donating a lot of his costumes and his clothes, even his regular everyday stuff. He was kind of doing a big purge, if I remember this correctly, because I remember this being a big national news story. Yeah. Yes, and he, in the U.S., he lives in Atlanta, and so this was at uh, a Neiman Marcus in Atlanta, in the Buckhead area, and uh, he uh, was had this whole section of the store, all of his stuff for like a month or so, if I remember right. And costumes, some very famous, some not so famous. And then he had just like everyday wear. And I was on the phone with a friend of mine who lived in Atlanta and told her about this story that I'd seen on TV. I said, man, I wish it were closer. I wish I could be there. And she said, you mean you're not coming? I don't know of any Elton John or any bigger Elton John fan than you. Yeah. I can't believe you're not coming. And it was like her saying that kind of gave me permission to fly to Atlanta, whereas maybe in my mind I thought, well, that's a little crazy, yeah, that's sure. a little nutty, a little, so it might be a little extreme. So it's like she gave me permission, and I thought about it and said, I'm going. So on the very last day that it was taking place, I flew to Atlanta, I rented a car at the airport, went straight to the mall, and got there, and this is so hard to believe now, about an hour before the whole thing shut down. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, the, You there, cut it that close. I cut it that close, and I was so nervous that I was going to fly and miss it. Um, and I got there, and uh, th- uh, there's a guy named John who uh, was the head of his foundation that was there. And there were a couple of people looking around, but it, it was pretty much depleted. There were a couple of famous costumes that were still on display, including the uh, Grammy Award costume that he wore with Eminem when yeah, they did okay. the song yeah, I Stan. That. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, man, I wish I could have afforded that one. That was really cool. <laughs> and I did not want T-shirts, shorts, regular shirts. I don't care about that. Yeah. I love the showbiz yeah, aspect sure. right, of these yeah. performers. I, I don't care what he wears on a Tuesday afternoon when he's bored. You know what <laughs> I mean? So I found um, – I, I bought three things. <laughs> don't be embarrassed. If somebody's this deep into the Elton John podcast, they're an Elton John fan. So you can go ahead and uh, – The first thing I bought – and was the most expensive. And I kind of, I think I blocked it out of my head how much I paid for it. Okay. It had to be within my price range, but it was on the high end of my price range. Um, uh, a jumpsuit, a pink jumpsuit <laughs> from 1972, which was the first year that he wore costumes. Prior to that, the first couple of years of his career, he was kind of one of those denim singer-songwriters, you yeah. know, the jeans and the denim jacket and and uh, that kind of thing, and, and the glasses, but he wasn't the extravagant, flamboyant Elton John that would come about that time. Yep. So this was a pink jumpsuit with mirrored sequins on the front and back with the mirrored sequins of a heart on the, on the back and purple feathers coming out of the arms and the legs. Oh, that's great. So I've got that. I've never tried that on, and people want me to. Uh, <laughs> I, admit, I only wear it when I vacuum. I understood. No, understood. No. So I, and I never will. It's kind of fragile. Some of the feathers are starting to come up, but there's the name John written on the inside like, if, like a dry cleaner type tag. Yeah, sure. And uh, I've been searching for a photo in archives and books and all that stuff uh, for a photo of this costume. Uh, it came from the Elton John Foundation, so it's it's real, but I have not found that photo. Well, because in those days, let's be honest, not everybody walked into the venue with a camera in their pocket like right. they do today. Oh. Right? Very different world. It's a whole different world now. Everyone's got a camera you know, on their phone. So I also bought a red suit. Uh, it's just a simple red suit. So you have a second thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's okay. a red right. a jacket and, and pants. It's a red suit. It's got a little hole in it, but uh, <laughs> I have worn that. 
I don't you know if, if I sh- should admit that it fit. <laughs> you know. And my favorite. Was, well, this, was that that's probably uh, from like the the latter area, the 90s? Or? Probably. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something that he wore on stage. It's okay. probably something that, that he had. I just felt like, hey, that's kind of cool. And, 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 and that. You didn't just wear this like around the house. Oh no 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 no! no. <laughs> I, I wore it. Uh, in, I worked at the arena in Champaign, Illinois, the assembly hall, and uh, we had uh, a media luncheon at one time. I wore it that just kind of uh, be yeah silly, right. That's good. Okay. That sort of thing. I but, wanted to get you off the hook. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing we talked about the one tour, which was the name of a tour, name of an album, name of a hit song, and the one tour was designed. The set design, the costumes, the program, even. Everything about it artistically was designed by the famous designer Johnny Versace, who has oh, since, okay. yeah, sure. sadly, we know his story, he passed away. But in that, for that tour, he designed everything, the backdrop, everything. And so I have a pair of turquoise gold-studded suede pants from the, the one tour. I don't have the jacket or the vest okay. that's in the photo that I mentioned I will post, but uh, the pants, and I have worn those too. I think I'm going to wear those next time I'm on Good Day Columbus. Really? That's um, I, I, I would like, I'd love to see that. But uh, So I got Versace. that too, and then you know, <laughs> later on, uh, sadly, uh, Johnny Versace um, uh, passed away tragically, and uh, so I, I have that in my collection as well. So I have those three things. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I have a piece of a hat. Piece of a hat. My How brother, does that my brother uh, studied in uh, Paris, France, architecture as <laughs> fr- at the University of Illinois in a program. Went over there for a year. Saw him in Paris, France, and Elton sh- uh, throughout in the eighties. He wore some straw hats a little bit, you know, like the uh, what do you kind of call them? The just the straw barbershop yeah, corset sure, right. type okay, hats. Yeah. I don't know what they're right, called. Yeah, like like in the I'm still standing video. Exactly, yeah. just like that. He threw it in or the crowd. I guess and that's why they call it the blues. Yeah, from well, from that album. Yeah, the Two Low for Zero album. So. He uh, people grabbed the hat. My brother got the biggest piece and uh, grabbed it for me. So he, that was a Christmas gift one year. A torn, about a third of an Elton John hat, <laughs> and nobody loved it more. It's my favorite gift. I, I, nobody would love that as much as you do. <laughs> hey, so that's my story of the costumes. So I know we, we can talk trivia now. Or do we talk to uh, our expert here? What do we? Which? What do we want to do? Uh, let's let's do a little. We'll talk to Jim McKay, who I've known for a long time. He's a recognized uh, Elton John expert. We'll talk to him in a second, but let me ask you some Elton John trivia. Oh, God. first, I, yeah, all right. You don't need to know the answer. I will ask you. A poll was done on what three songs Elton fans need to hear at every concert. Okay. What are the three? You know, every artist. And I want to talk about this in a future podcast too. Signature about songs. Signature songs. Yes. It may not be their biggest hit. But what song do you need to hear from an artist to be happy? Yeah. You, they, a lot of artists will not do all their hits, but what song do you, they have to hear right, sure. to be happy? Um, name the three, top three we'll so, talk about. Try so, to guess. So my guess, your song has got to be number one. It is. Right, that's got to be the number one on My the favorite list. song of all time. After that, I'm going to go Benny and the Jets? Okay. Saturday Night? No. Okay, no. Uh, your song. Yeah. Candle in the Wind. Really? And Tiny Dancer. Okay, well, now, now Tiny Dance would be on top of my one of, yeah. uh, one of my list, but I didn't, I, I wouldn't, I would not, definitely would not have guessed "Candle in the Wind." So the interesting things about those songs is uh, your song came out in 1970. Um, Rolling Stone has named it one of the greatest songs of all time, and it is. It is. Uh, it's in the Grammy Hall of Fame. It uh, was arranged by a, a great conductor called uh, Paul Buckmaster, who started uh, some of the classic Elton John arrangements on the next uh, many albums, and uh, it was his first U.S. hit single. 
So, your song. A lot of times he ends with that song. Sometimes he's opened with it. But it's a song you have to hear. I always love that, by the way. When an artist opens their show, and, and Elton's opened with some very, like that time I saw him once he opened with Pinball Wizard, that was yeah. pretty cool, right? But yeah. when it opens with, when you open with your signature song, and you open with your your song, right? You have a, have a pretty solid catalog to open with that track. And, and it's always, it's, I, I love that moment in a show. No question. Candle in the Wind. Interesting here. Candle in the Wind was originally released on the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album, a double album, which was pretty unusual at the time. Uh, and Candle in the Wind, this is back when he'd release a couple albums a year, and there was uh, the, the hit singles were Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, yeah. Benny and the Jets, and Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, and then the next album came out. So Candle in the Wind... I was going to say, it wasn't even, yeah, right? wasn't even released. It was a concert favorite, but not even released in the U.S. It was the B-side to Benny and the Jets in the U.S., and it was a hit in Europe and, and England. But in the U.S., not even released. Hard to believe now. Then, in 1987, he uh, goes on tour in Australia and puts out a now classic live album with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Yes, you right. might know the videos where he's dressed as like uh, Mozart and, and uh, <laughs> you know, in true Elton John fashion. And the single off the album, the hit single off the album is Candle in the Wind, finally released in the U.S. as a single. What's interesting about that is he did this tour with his 14-piece band and 88 members of the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and the hit single was Candle in the Wind, the only song on the album that was just Elton and the piano. <laughs> of course, that's how it goes, right? Not even with the Melbourne <laughs> Symphony Orchestra. It becomes the hit single. Years later, 1997, sadly, uh, Princess Diana is in the car accident and passes away. Radio starts playing Candle in the Wind, the original version. Almost immediately. It was not anything that was uh, put out by MCA Records or Elton John or anything like that. Elton John was asked to write, uh, uh, perform at the funeral after Luciano Pavarotti said he was so overcome with grief he could not perform. Elton was actually the second choice. So Elton and uh, Bernie Taupin wrote uh, Candle the Winds getting so much radio play, airplay. Instead of writing a new song, uh, uh, Bernie Taupin wrote new lyrics. As yeah, we know right. now, Goodbye England's Rose commonly known as Candle in the Wind 97. Which sold like a gazillion copies, 33 right? million copies. So right after... Nothing sells that. By the way, when a song's number one, <laughs> now it sells like 12 copies. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different world. But right immediately after that performance, not even like an hour later, radio started playing that version from the funeral on the radio. And they were playing it oftentimes more than once an hour. And it used to be, you know, back in the top 40 days that a huge the number one hit would get played like once an hour or whatever. Yeah, sure. Remember back in the oh, old yeah. WLS days and all yeah. that sort of thing? But they would play it multiple times in an hour. And the, right after the funeral, Elton and the famous uh, producer George Martin, who uh, produced uh, so many of the Beatles uh, albums and so many other people, uh, went into the studio and recorded a studio version of Candle in the Wind 97, which was released with uh, something about the way you look tonight yep. as the flip side. And all the proceeds were going to Princess Diana's uh, charity. So 33 million copies for a long time is the biggest selling single of all time, beating only White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Really? Candle in the Wind 97 doesn't really get played anymore because it's very topical, but White Christmas every year, and I think <laughs> it's recently surpassed it again. So Candle in the Wind, again, a little bit of trivia there on that. Yep. And then Tiny Dancer. Can you believe this? It was ranked number three of the most requested Elton John songs. It was never – well, how do you define a hit record on the charts? 
you know, a top 10, top 10. I mean, you know, really, I mean, if you're talking about be, uh, a real hit record. Okay, real hit record, but basically if a song makes the top 40. Top 40 is, it's is, considered is the a official hit. definition. Yeah. yeah, sure. Not 41. Yeah. You know, they do the Hot 100, but if it's 41 to 100 or even after that. Then it was a stiff. It's, you know, tried to be, but if it made the top 40, it was a hit record. Tiny Dancer, can you believe it? was not a hit record. It stalled at 41. Really? Seriously, 41? 41. 41. <laughs> and it became a concert favorite, And uh, but it wasn't until the movie Almost Famous oh. that it got re-released and all this, and now it is w- one of the songs that is requested more than any other, along with Candle the Wind and Your Song, but it's hard to believe it was not an official hit record. Yeah, Cameron Crowe, uh, you know, who directed Almost Famous, has a great uh, pr- understanding of, of music, and that's kind of his story, yeah. right? But that moment on that bus, you know, I'd heard Tiny Dancer a million yeah. times before that, but when I heard it, when when that when that moment on that bus happens in that movie, it brings that song to it gave it just a whole new fresh life, and uh, uh, absolutely became one of my favorites. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's off the album called Bat- Mad Mad Across the Water. The hit song off that album was called Leave On. Yeah, which is so good live. He tends to uh, uh, often make that into like a seven-minute jam yep, song. Sure. And I, oh gosh, I hope he does that here at the shot. I don't know if it's on this tour or not. I'm Fingers purpo- purposefully not <laughs> checking. But Levon was a hit record, and most people don't even know that song. Tiny Dancer was not even a hit. So there's some trivia on the Elton John songs. And uh, one guy that, um, boy, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, and we can get on the phone. And uh, we're not really nerds, but uh, you know, we could do. <laughs> I don't think so. But we could talk Elton when a new album comes out or something significant like uh, The Lion King or, or these new cover albums that came out uh, a few months ago. We could talk forever. And so I wanted to have a true Elton expert on our podcast today. So coming up after some highlights from Nationwide Arena and the Schottenstein Center, we'll be visiting with Jim McKay. He's the founder of a fan site called The 22nd Row, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Elton's place in history, why he's a must-see in concert, and a little bit about what he knows about this uh, farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. So that is coming up. Having sold more than 100 million records worldwide, the iconic Share returns. Here We Go Again Tour 2019. Performing hits spanning her entire career. Nationwide Arena, February 10th. Featuring special guests, Nile Rodgers and Chic. Get tickets now at LiveNation.com. The album Dancing Queen is available everywhere now. For more, visit Share.com. The Harlem Globetrotters. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like. When an amazing moment becomes an unforgettable memory. The Harlem Globetrotters Live. Together, we'll make memories they'll treasure forever. 2018 World Tour on sale now. Get your tickets today. What's up, everyone? Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters here, and I'm here with the Arena Guy. Look, if you guys get a chance, follow the Arena Guy on Facebook and Twitter. I want to see you do that. Click it now. Back in 1992, when practically no one knew what the Internet was, Jim McKay founded the first Internet fan site about Elton John and Bernie Taupin called The 22nd Row. These days, The 22nd Row is a Facebook group, and it's my go-to for everything Elton. Jim is recognized as an expert in the Elton John world, and I'm pleased to welcome Jim McKay to the Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast. Great to talk to you, Jim. 
That's great to talk to you, Arena Guy. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. You know, when we knew we were doing this uh, podcast exclusively on Elton John, you were the first person I thought of, so I appreciate you coming on. Now, thank you. As an Elton John expert, uh, you've run the 22nd row for more than 25 years. You've even written liner notes for Elton CDs. What is it about Elton John that makes you such a huge fan? Well, actually, it's about the music. It really is. I know there's the costumes, the celebrity, the tantrums, the tiaras, whatever, but <laughs> it's about the music, and the music stands up after all these years. People still want to hear these songs, and when you go to these shows these days, it's not it's people who weren't born. In fact, maybe even their parents weren't born when, like, your song came out in 1970. You know, so the songs stand up. They really do, and uh, and so... What he and Bernie Taupin, who, of course, writes all the lyrics, have created is a great body of work that really will transcend simply our fashion of our current generation. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And as you talk about generations, it's amazing what the Lion King did for his fan base as well. And there are so many kids now at the shows who only know Elton John from Hakuna Matata and the Circle of Life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That That's exactly it. And it. It's really fascinating. Of course, there's a new version of that coming out, too, as, a, as an action movie, I believe it is. Yes. So. Yeah, live action movie, The Lion King. So that's one of many things coming up. Maybe we'll touch on that coming up, too. 300 mm-hmm. million records sold, 58 top 40 hits, seven consecutive number one albums. That's unheard of. Five-time Grammy winner, 11-time nominee, Oscar winner, Tony winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. The honors go on and on and on. But what is it, do you think, is Elton John's place in history? Well, I think that Elton will be our era's Mozart. You know what? In 100 years, 200 years, when they study music, they'll study him the way we study Mozart today. You know, this was not only the kind of music that was played in a certain style, but it still sounds great, number one. It'll sound great in 200 years. And also, it will be this, this almost like a time travel. It'll connect people from then until into to today, you know. So uh, it, it's really timeless music. Uh, and uh, people will recognize it for that. And, and, and also, uh, the thing is, uh, you know, Elton – more narrowly, for those of us who maybe were preschoolers or grade schoolers in the 60s, Elton was, for us teenagers in the 70s, our Beatles, if you really think about it. You know, uh, he, was, really was. he was very popular, admittedly maybe just a, an iota smaller in popularity than the Beatles, but he really was a Beatles. Remember, in 1975, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing the Beatles. John Lennon even had the quote about this, I'm going to have to rip my radio out of my car because I'm so sick of hearing Elton John. <laughs> I think he even said, please don't die, because I'll hear you even more. <laughs> so, and, and so there was that thing with Elton, everything, you know. And, uh, and so there is that, uh, that aspect of, uh, and, and even more interestingly, uh, uh, as some of your listeners may not know, is that uh, the person who helped mentor Elton in his fledgling days was the same person who was the music publisher for the Beatles. And he wanted to have a post-Beatles act to keep bringing in the bucks, among other things. Plus, obviously, he loved music, this guy, Dick James. So, uh, yeah, there is those Beatles connections. And he really, there is some validity to the impact that Elton has had on culture 
that does approach the Beatles. Of course, with the Beatles, you got four guys, so there's a lot more to distribute around. But still, you know, they're they're songwriting legends. Everybody has recorded them. Frank Sinatra to Sinead O'Connor to uh, all the Lady Gaga to uh, some of these rap acts I've never even heard of uh, that are on this new uh, these new compilation albums where people pay tribute to. to uh, to the two of them. Uh, and then even a rapper Bernie. named uh, Young Thug just yeah. called uh, Yellow Brick Road on his latest single. So, you know, it's interesting that, you know, between Tupac Shakur or or a Young Thug that he's even getting into the rap world as well. It's, it's amazing to me. It is amazing. I, I know I think you and I both have been serious collectors, and after a certain point, it's just like, okay, I have to narrow the focus of my collection. I'll have to go you know, rent a warehouse if I was going to get everything he appeared at. For sure. And another Beatle connection, just uh, and a little aside here, um, you know, he worked with all the Beatles, certainly with George Harrison and Ringo Starr mm-hmm. and Carbert Elton, and they worked together. And John Lennon's last live stage appearance was on Thanksgiving Day 1974 at Madison Square Garden uh, with Elton John. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so uh, that was uh, John Lennon repaying a promise uh, to Elton John that uh, his appearance on Whatever Gets You Through the Night, if it went number one, he would appear on stage again. And he never thought that would happen. And guess what? It went number one. (laughs) Yes, yes. And and now that you mention it, it reminded me that, of course, that occasion was the reason Yoko and John got back together again as well. It really was. You could write a whole book on that concert and what led up to that. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> on that. So Elton John will be stopping at the Schottenstein Center on November 2nd as part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour, and anticipation couldn't be any higher. We've both seen him so many times. I don't know about you, but I've lost track of how many times I've seen him. Why I couldn't would, see there. Yeah. yeah. Why would you say he's a must-see in concert? Well, first of all, there's all the reasons I've just mentioned. You know, this is a legend. This is, you know, you're witnessing history when you see Elton John perform. But, uh, you know, yeah, why, why I can understand what would be so different this time. And, you know, yes, you will hear the hits that we all love to hear, and there will be a few surprises, I'm sure, for, for the hardcore fans like us who, you know, own 10 copies of everything. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, this isn't just a nostalgia act either. There is some very futuristic and, of course, contemporary things happening. First of all, uh, you know, Elton went through phases of the outrageous costumes, then he downplayed his image to wearing mostly black, and now he he has the latest in Gucci fashion. You know, Gucci 2018 is being modeled by Elton John. So you're actually seeing, you know, you don't need to go to runways shows in uh, New York. You can go right to the Schottenstein and, uh, Center and see the latest uh, Gucci fashion show when you see Elton coming up in a few weeks, you know. So there's that. And then there's all the high-tech wizardry that's coming with this. They have this amazing, very sophisticated backdrop that's full of uh, uh, LED screens and images. And uh, people who've seen the show so far, uh, starting in Allentown, I believe it was, have just said it's like you're totally immersed in this whole thing. So it's, it's, it's very 21st century. You know, you're hearing these songs, but in a new way. So there's this whole experience that, you know, even contemporary up-and-coming hipster groups, you know, who are, are, are in their 20s aren't doing. This is happening here. So it's a, it's a complete spectacle beyond the, the songs you know and love, you know. So uh, it, it's, it's quite 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 an experience, you know. It's, it's several shows in one, if you really think about it. And, I, and I, some people may say the tickets are a little higher priced than usual, but, you know, you're seeing really three or four shows in one all at once. 
and it's your last chance to see uh, one of the greatest live performers of all time. And people who maybe initially saw him, not only for the music, but to see uh, what he'd be wearing on stage, what crazy costumes, whether it be the Statue of Liberty or Donald Duck or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what shows his staying power to me is that he could come out wearing a simple black suit or mm -hmm. maybe he's a little bedazzled now a little bit. But without the costumes mm -hmm. and without the, the, the shoes and everything that he became famous for initially, mm -hmm. the music still stands up and it's all about the music and it's still amazingly awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's a real balance between just excitement, fun, rock and roll, of course, and then there's all this taste and culture that's whipped in there, too. It's just so much going on at once, and it, it, I don't think it gets any better than this. I really don't. And I feel like, uh, you know, the whole package is what makes Elton John great, and part of that package, of course, is Bernie Taupin. Part of uh -huh. it is the band, and you and I have both met Nigel and Olsen and Davy Johnston and some of the other band mm -hmm. members. He's really got a great band, and this band is really part of his success. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they got everything down past. I mean, these people who are playing with them have played together for so long. It's like a marriage almost. Bernie, too, for that matter. They know yeah. where they're going, and, you know, they just have this, this connection. They don't have to have words. They can see if Elton's going a certain way, we're going to go that way, too. And, uh, you know, it's just like Paul Simon was saying about his bands of the recent years. He said, you know, we've, we've played together, now we really got it perfect, you know. And so that, that's what's going on, too. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, I hate to even ask this question because uh, mm -hmm. it, it, we were talking about the end, but how do you feel about this being Elton's farewell tour? Well, well, on the surface, hearing this farewell tour uh, name for the tour, I, I, I would say, feel very sad if I took it very literally. I don't think he's faking people out, you know, where it's, I don't know, uh, Cher does several different tours that go on and on, or The Who, famously for 30 years of the Doug's Farewell Tours, I believe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think this is genuine. You know, he really is cutting back on the touring, and, you know, he's been touring nonstop to the smallest of towns just to reach all the fans for all these years. And he does want to make the point he's not going to be going out as much but i think we're going to be hearing from them in terms of recording materials it's going to be new and fresh like we said there's going to be there's going to be this new action movie of the of the lion king and there there will be some new songs i understand if i've heard correctly and uh and then so many other projects that he's still going to be working on and he will do some shows i i think he'll pick up residency maybe do a show in new york but you'll have to travel to see him that's what i expect for as long as he can do that and you know, who can't be happy for this guy being with his family, which is what he wants to do, right? Yeah, and he has made it clear that he is not mm -hmm. retiring. He's just retiring from these lengthy world tours. And I agree with you. He could do a Billy Joel thing and maybe uh, do mm -hmm. a few a month in Madison Square Garden or sit down in Vegas again or something. Yeah. But he's still, I mean, he's writing a, a new Broadway musical, and, and he's got a film production company, and he's writing new music, and he's still going to be very active. He says He's not retiring from his creativity. He's just retiring from the big tours. Absolutely. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to that because, you know, I, I do love to go to these shows, but I, I do have a, a regular life and I can't go to all of them. So <laughs> I have a feeling as a fan, I'm going to have a lot more to listen to, more creative work. And so uh, it's a new phase. And uh, I'm really excited about it. You know, it, it does bring up, you know, a little bit of nostalgia. And boy, we are getting a little older. But uh, you know what? It's, it's some of the best work is created in, and in and, and your last years, your, your final act, if you will. And I think, you know, he, he's going to be very 
judicious in how he uses that energy and everything, you know, and uh, very uh, both he and Toppin are going to come up with some of their best work. The best is really yet to come. I totally agree. Well, Elton John will be stopping in Columbus at the Schottenstein Center on November 2nd with his Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Jim McKay is one of the major Elton John experts. He's the founder of the renowned and much-respected much 22nd Row Facebook fan group for Elton John and Bernie Toppin fans. And, Jim, it's always great to talk to you. Well, thank you for the privilege. It's always great to speak with you. Good luck with the show, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. I'm so jealous that you get to see him that night. Well, back with more of the Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast after these upcoming highlights from the Schottenstein Center and Nationwide Arena. Country's newest superstar, Luke Combs. Beer Never Broke My Heart Tour. Schottenstein Center, Friday, February 22nd. With special guests, Lanco and Jameson Rogers. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. The album This One's For You Too is available everywhere now. There's more at LukeCombs.com. Millions of fans have made this show their rock holiday tradition. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, live in concert. Presented by Hallmark Channel, December 26th. Two shows at Nationwide Arena. Reserve seats on sale now at LiveNation.com, Ticketmaster.com, and the Arena Ticket Office. Don't miss Trans-Siberian Orchestra's Ghosts of Christmas Eve. Looking forward to that show, too, Dave. Yeah, it's always uh, always fun when when TSO when TSO comes to town. So An annual uh, uh, tradition, ha- holiday highlight already, already. <laughs> but it is a holiday oh, highlight, and you can learn about all of the shows at the Schottenstein Center Nationwide Arena. Just go to the website schottensteincenter.com and nationwidearena.com. Yeah, you know when we announced this Elton John show as being part of the farewell tour and and November second, I it felt so far away, and, and here we are, right? It's like, yeah, it's coming right up. But Elton's had, had quite a career, and uh, uh, you've got a, a fun little timeline here to share with us? Yeah, and so this is, it goes back all the way back to 1967, and, uh, you know, I could have a book full of highlights, so I'll just run down some of these and, and comment as you please, but, uh, and, and some of these are just very interesting things. June 17th, 1967, so we're talking 51 years wow. ago, <laughs> an ad appeared in a British uh, publication called the New Musical Express. The ad says, Liberty, which was a publisher, Liberty wants talent, artists, composers, singers, musicians to form new group. So that ad was seen, uh, as fate would have it, by two people in England, a 20-year-old guy named Reginald Kenneth Dwight. <laughs> and a 17-year-old named Bernie Toppin. They both answered the ad, and fate put them together. They became the greatest rock songwriting team since Lennon and McCartney. And uh, they first started uh, writing music uh, as kind of contract writers for other artists, like Lulu, remember her? Yeah, to Serve sure, Love yes, and yeah. others. And uh, they were supposed to write for Engelbert Humperdinck and Tom Jones and people like that. Uh, they weren't uh, really that successful. And then they started recording on their own. In 1968, the debut single was a song called I've Been Loving You. It was not a hit. Um, I've got it in my collection. It's kind of good. Elton wrote it by himself, though it was credited Elton John Bernie Toppin. Elton John rarely wrote uh, lyrics. I mean, hardly ever. 1969, the album Empty Sky, his debut album, was released in England. It wouldn't be released in the U.S. until 1975 after he had success. Uh, October of 1969, Elton wrote Your Song. 
Um, it's been streamed over 100 million times on Spotify. It's in the Grammy Hall of Fame. Rolling Stone, as I mentioned earlier, calls it one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, August of 1970, he made his American debut at a club called The Troubadour in Los Angeles. It's still around. Neil Diamond, and I remember when Neil Diamond played here, I mentioned this to him, uh, asked him about it. Neil Diamond introduced this artist that nobody had ever seen. They had just heard the Elton John album. The album was called Elton John and had no idea how amazing he would be in concert. They just expected him to be sitting at the piano and playing songs like your song, very mellow. Yeah, sure. And as you know from this album, uh, 171170, that was not the case. A review from Robert Hilburn in the Los LA Times would change Elton's life and helped make his career. September of 73, his career skyrocketed in the flamboyant. At that time, Elton John played the Hollywood Bowl for the first time. Listen to this. The flamboyant part definitely was part of his career at this point. He entered the stage with dubs being released from five grand pianos by impersonators of Queen Elizabeth, Elvis, Frankenstein, the Pope, the Beatles, <laughs> Batman and Robin, Mae West, and Groucho Marx. That's awesome. That would have been great to have been at that show. He debuted five tracks that had never been heard yet from his upcoming album called Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, uh, which is an album that many call his best, including myself. Uh, October of 73, the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album was released. Within a month, it hit number one, stayed on the charts for more than two years, sold 8 million copies, featured uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Ben and the Jets, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Candle in the Wind, Funeral for a Friend, Harmony, and uh, there are probably about four or five other songs that could have been singles off that album. No, it's just It was just a fast and furious start for Elton once he got rolling. Uh, no kidding. Uh, two, three albums a year, hit song after hit song after hit song. 1975, Captain Fantastic, The Brown Dirt Cowboy became the first album to ever debut at number one. It also went gold before it was released, just based on record store orders. Um, uh, Phil Collins is coming up at uh, Nationwide Arena. It's uh, relevant to this part. In November and December of 1986, Elton toured Australia. The final sh show was recorded for that album we talked about. Yep. Phil Collins was at that concert. He was scheduled to play at, at uh, there next, and he came backstage after the show and told Elton John's drummer, how the heck do we follow that? <laughs> 1992, the one tour kicked off. It was also his 24th studio album. Wow. Bonnie Raitt and Eric Clapton uh, joined him at a show in Wembley. 1994, Axl Rose inducted Elton John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Axl Rose said, for myself as well as many others, no one has been more of an inspiration than Elton John. When I first heard Benny and the Jets, I knew at that time I had to be a performer. That's pretty cool. Yeah. For the life of me, I do not know why Bernie Taupin's not in the Hall of Fame. They are a team. I feel like they should have been inducted together. That's a, that's a great point. I Elton John, yeah. he's at the piano. He's the performer. He's the voice. But Bernie, Elton has said that he would not be what he is today if it wasn't for Bernie Yeah, absolutely, Taupin. right? That's, so, that's, that's interesting. I, worth, a, worth a discussion. Yeah. Uh, 1995, lyricist Tim Rice, who wrote so many Broadway shows with uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, was signed by Disney to write the lyrics for a new animated film called The Lion King. When he was asked who he wanted to write the music, he said Elton John. It became one of the most popular films of all time. Three songs, this is unprecedented, three songs were nominated for, for an Oscar for Best Song. And uh, so Hakuna Matata, Circle of Life, and Can You Feel the Love Tonight? And Can You Feel the Love Tonight won the Oscar. Uh, 1998, knighted Sir Elton John by the Queen at Buckingham Palace to honor his musical accomplishments and his service to charity. Um, Let's see, just a couple more. Sold out Madison Square Garden in uh, 2007 for the 60th time on wow. what was his 60th birthday. 2009, he closed the Red Piano Residency in Vegas. He was supposed to be there for 75 shows in three years, and it ended up being 248. 
2010, I released The Union, an album with Leon Russell, hit number three on the album chart. Rolling Stone called it the third best album of 2010. I call it a masterpiece. It's an incredible album. It is a great album. Uh, 2011, The Million Dollar Piano Residency debuted at Las Vegas at Caesars Palace. The piano was created especially for him by Yamaha. It was a visual masterpiece with 68 LED screens taking four years to build. Some of that same technology we'll see here at the shot in November. Oh, really? Okay, that's great. Uh, the Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour opened in Allentown, Pennsylvania on uh, September 27th of 2018. And on November 2nd, 2018, we all know what's going to happen right here at the shot. Right. Now, you just saw Elton. You mentioned the, the Vegas. You saw him not long ago in Vegas, I right? I did. I'd, I was so upset with myself. I've seen every tour since that first show, but I missed the first Vegas residency. So I was not okay. going to let this second one, the Million Dollar Piano one, slip away. So I actually went to Vegas to see it before it, it you closed. saw one of the last shows, So right? one of the last shows. Just like, the mer just like when you went, <laughs> went yeah. to uh, Atlanta. Yeah. It wasn't the last. It was one of the last, so I had to see it. We had kind of a down period with shows here, so I was able to go. And then I also saw Ringo Starr and a few other things. But, yeah, I was so glad I saw that show. That's that's very cool. I, I am I'm definitely very jealous of that. You know, um, there's so many uh, cool things with 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 Elton, and uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit more about what's going to happen here at the shot yeah. uh, coming up. And also, we're going to have a, give the final details on how you can win a little merchandise prize pack for uh, for Elton John. We'll give you those details here in just a few minutes. That's all coming up here on the uh, Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast. Phil Collins, not dead yet. Live this October. Legendary artist, limited date. Friday, October 19th, Nationwide Arena. Tickets available now, online at LiveNation.com. Phil Collins, live. Elton John. To see him live on tour. Friday, November 2nd, Schottenstein Center. Farewell, Yellow Brick Road Tour. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations, online at Ticketmaster.com or by phone. Don't miss the last time to see Elton John live on tour. Oh my gosh, in 30 seconds. <laughs> I got chills listening to those songs, and that's just an itty-bitty sample of all the great songs you'll be hearing in concert November 2nd at the shot. Now, you know, we've talked about the show, and obviously uh, uh, tickets went fast for this one. Yeah. It's, it's a tough show to get. So I, I don't really have a, a lot of – you know, usually this is the point where I kind of tell you, hey, if you don't have tickets – they're available now. So you can always check. This is what I want to let you know is there are a lot of times when a show moves into the arena on the day of the show, or sometimes it's the night before, that we will get a note from the box office. I'll get a phone call at my desk, and they'll say, hey, Dave, uh, we just released 200 tickets, and we want to. they're going to be available you know, on, either at the box office or maybe they're available online. It's different every time, right? And sometimes they're released because... They're held because they don't know what the seats, the sight lines, they call it, will look once this, before the stage is set up. And once the stage is set up, they sometimes say, well, these are actually good seats. We can put them on sale. Absolutely. So, you know, I always see, you always see, you know, Kate or, or Dennis or, or Joe from our box office out walking around in the arena uh, as they're getting set up. And they're looking for those extra pockets of seats of yeah. where they can fit people in. And so this is where I tell you. Follow us on social media. Follow us on, uh, for in this case, uh, you know, uh, Schottenstein Center on Facebook 
or uh, at the shot on on Twitter because those are the, it'll be Facebook and Twitter where we release that information. And right. once once we announce it, those tickets will go fast. Now, if you are the kind of person who's like, hey, I want to buy tickets on the, the I, wanna, I, I I have to see it. I don't want to wait. I'm not taking that risk, and I'm going to buy tickets on the secondary market. Please be careful, Gary. Please. You know the the arena guy and I both have have seen the heartbreak of fans who buy tickets off Craigslist or uh, uh, some secondary source that's not legit. Do not buy tickets from some guy that you meet in the parking lot at a grocery store. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And you know what? And 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 I'm not I'm not going to mention names, right? But any of these secondary ticket sources, sometimes the tickets aren't legit, right? Yeah. And we can't tell you for sure if they are or they aren't because we we work with Ticketmaster. So somebody, people do all kinds of terrible things and they want to take advantage of people, especially on a show like this. There is one safe place to buy tickets and that's that's uh through Ticketmaster. Uh, or at our box office. Yeah, and at our box office, right, because that's that's connected to Ticketmaster, absolutely, yeah. right? So Ticketmaster or a box office. Now there are verified resale tickets on Ticketmaster. I checked right before we started the show and yeah, they're not cheap. I'm not going to lie, right? But if you do want to buy them, that is the safe place to get them. Ticketmaster will guarantee them and we work with them and and uh, uh as long as you get them through Ticketmaster the website again or or through our box office. And let me say one other thing too. Uh sometimes when people get tickets for a hot show, they are so excited that they got tickets and they they post a copy of them holding the tickets online. Uh, they post on Facebook or Twitter, and you know what? That lends you, uh, the scalpers or people who are not uh, honest the opportunity with technology today to copy those tickets and, and make fraudulent tickets. So if you ever hold your ticket on Facebook, you shouldn't do it in the first place, but cover up that barcode. The barcode is what they people actually steal it. They steal the barcode from pictures online, and then you know it sounds like some kind of scam, but it's true. It is. And they can they can then put it on a ticket, and somebody else uh, they, they will then make thirty copies of that ticket, sell it to thirty different people, and then everybody tries to get the first person who actually gets in, and the second person it shows as you know uh, the second person used a ticket, then can't you? It shows as the ticket's already in at the building. So don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Buy from a legitimate source. Again, either Ticketmaster.com uh, or our, our website, uh, I mean, you know, or our box office. You know, that, the, That's the way to make sure that your heart isn't bro broken on a night like this when you're going to see an epic show. And as we talked about, don't be late. Don't yeah. be late. Oh, yeah, especially for this show, but for any show. But uh, and we don't mean to scare people, but like like uh, Dave just said, to, to be 100% sure that your ticket is valid, Ticketmaster or the Schottenstein Center or Nationwide Arena if the show's there. So that's good. Coming up in the Elton John world, it's actually kind of exciting. There's the new song by Young Thug. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if you watch TV, you see a Snickers commercial, um, and they did not pay for this. We should get them to pay for us plugging right, Snickers. Snickers yeah. But Elton John is in a new Snickers commercial with a rapper that I don't I don't know who it is. I, I should have looked that up ahead of time. I didn't recognize who it's, it was. Chance is doing the Kit Kat, so it's not Yeah, it's not so it's Chance. not him. Yeah. But uh, that's all over the place now. And the first trailer was just released for the Rocketman they call it a biopic. I saw I saw an image from it. I didn't see yeah. the trailer yet. It's it's out now. You can find it online. Uh, I'll, I'll post it too. Uh, it's not the movie's not out until May of 2019, but uh, it's uh, starring an actor. If you see some of the photos, it looks pretty darn close. Yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Tiger. Edgerton, I think. That's you nailed it. Oh, did I really? <laughs> I, have no I don't. Idea. I don't know. I probably got it wrong a little bit. But I know uh, who you're talking about, but I don't know how to pronounce it. It's from the '70s, Elton John, and they say it's kind of a. It's it's not a hundred percent. It's kind of like a part of some fantasy aspects of it too. I don't really know what that means. 
But uh, you know, it's if it's Elton John, you know, it's never straightforward, right? Yeah. It's always going to take it in a new direction. There's a Broadway musical on Elton's life, uh, Elton John and Bernie Taupin, that's uh, been talked about for a long time, and uh, you know, Elton uh, just signed uh, with Universal Music for all of his future albums for the rest of his career. An, an end-of-time deal. End-of-time deal. Uh, also on Broadway, he's uh, writing music for a, a Broadway production of that movie, The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> really? Which That's is great. coming out now. And uh, My wife has made me watch that movie way too many times. Yeah, well, it's going to be a Broadway musical. Elton's writing the music. And uh, a live-action Lion King with Beyonce, who is going to be singing, uh, apparently, a new Elton John song that will be oh, written, they, written uh, for it that. Is, it's going to be there's gonna be music in that as well. It's a live-action with uh, all the songs that you know and love from The Lion King, the animated uh, classic, and a couple of new songs. So looking forward to that as well. So that's all coming up in the Elton world. This farewell tour is supposed to be uh, not only just Elton on stage with some cool lighting, but uh, from a technical standpoint, from a visual standpoint, it's supposed to be mind-blowing. I've heard, you know, he's taking a lot of that kind of stuff that he kind of dabbled in, in the, with the Vegas shows, yeah. right? And actually he's bringing it. Because, you know, he's done some stuff which has, you know, been pretty stark as far as stage production in, in years gone by. And and even then, you didn't miss it, right? Because it was still a, such a killer show. But I've heard there's some some special treats for fans who come to this show. Yeah, it's really cool. It's taken uh, more than a year to uh, uh, do some of the technical stuff. They had an actor recreate some of the 70s iconic moments dressed like Elton uh, to get the, the movements and everything. And then they also got Elton when they, they try to capture some of those moments. He's wearing like this hat or something. It's okay. not a hat. but uh, And he's got like these... Uh, what are they called? Motion capture sensors. Motion capture sensors all over his body. And he's... Uh, they were going to put his face on the actors things so so they have video footage that they didn't have but wow. they're they're recreating all this it's supposed to be like a, a technological masterpiece okay and i can't imagine <laughs> elton doing all that all with all those I modules on him <laughs> well i mean he's not known for patience yeah no right yeah <laughs> but uh, so it's visually it's going to be amazing and That's I can't great. wait to see it. And I haven't done a whole lot of research on it because I don't want to know. Yeah, sure. I want to watch it as a fan. Well, no spoilers, uh, um, but I, I I have read some articles about some, some of the uh, tour, and I'm not mentioning any names, but I've heard you know that that you will be pleased because there are you know um, he plays the hits. Obviously, you know he's going to play the hits, right? Yeah. But there are a couple of nuggets in there for, oh. the, for the hardcore fans that you're going to go, oh, I haven't heard I haven't heard that one in a tour in a long time. So there's, there's a couple there's a couple of nuggets in there that he's putting in for uh, for the for the hardcore fans that they're really really going to enjoy i cannot wait and uh i, I know we've got uh, a lot of people listening today who can't wait for the concert either and uh those people are probably excited to have the possibility to win an elton john prize package yeah absolutely and and and, and gary mentioned it earlier the arena guy and i what we're going to do is on the night of the show we're going to go up to the merchandise stand because we do this at every show right we always like to go check out the merch right and we'll pick out a couple of cool things and you'll have a chance to win it uh and but you know it, the thing is you got to come pick it up so we will we will it's completely free of charge right yeah we'll, ta we'll pick it up put it on our tab but uh, a couple of cool items. We don't know exactly what they are because they haven't come yet. But it, definitely a T-shirt, maybe a program, something like that uh, here from the tour. Whether you have tickets to the show or not, doesn't matter. Everybody can win this. Tell them how to enter there. Okay, it's just easy. If you want to share, share an Elton John story or why Elton John is uh, a big part of your uh, musical life, uh, feel free to do that. You don't have to. Just send an email to thearenaguy at outlook.com. 
the arena guy at outlook.com. And everyone who enters or sends me that email will go into a drawing and will randomly pick one. Uh, we might share your story if you want to share uh, any anecdotes or stories on a future podcast or on our social media. But uh, just uh, the arena guy at outlook.com and we'll enter you in a drawing for an Elton John prize package from the Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. That's stopping here at the shot, November second. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll of course draw for that right after the after the show. So not yeah. not that night because we'll be you know, <laughs> yeah, drunk with uh, excitement. But it'll be we'll, we'll draw for it early that next week. I feel like we could talk for another two, three, four, five hours. But uh, this has been so much fun, Dave. I'm really looking forward to this show. This is one of those historical moments in Columbus, Ohio, that everybody's going to be talking about that next day. Uh, a couple of quick things before we wrap things up. Uh, of course, yes, schottensteincenter.com is where you go to find those links for, for the official uh, ticketing options as they become available. And you can find our social media links there to follow us. And, of course, you want to listen to some Elton John on your way to the show. Don't forget, that, Red, you're going to do a little, a little special uh, playlist, right? We, we've got to play this up right now. That's some of my personal favorites, but a new one will be coming up soon. I'm going to do two, okay? okay. I'm going to do Elton's biggest hits okay. on one Spotify playlist, one Arena Guy Spotify playlist. So uh, you can uh, go on Spotify and search the Arena Guy, check in Elton John. And then I'm going to do a second one of songs that should have been hits, whether they were uh, singles that didn't quite make it or album tracks that should have been singles. My list of maybe 25 songs, and there are that many, that I feel like if I was a record executive, I would have released as a single if, there, if you didn't have to worry about having too much material out at once. Like Goodbye Yellow Rick Road, so many songs could have been singles, and then some current stuff, too, um, that we will put on that one. So you'll have a chance to listen to both of those. That's very cool. And it's become a habit of mine on show days. I just search the Arena Guy on Spotify. I find your playlist there. I pick it out, and, it, and it's, a, it's a great little uh, thing to get you hyped up for, uh, for the show day. Uh, also, remember, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, whether you're on iTunes or, or whatever you're doing, however you're listening to it, leave us a review. Uh, uh, leave us your feedback. Uh, give, us one, give us a five-star review. We need the help, right? It helps, <laughs> helps us show up in the search rankings. And we do appreciate that, so so please take that time to uh, uh, give us the thumbs up and uh, uh, lots more back. We, there are so many shows, seriously. Yeah. Like as we are getting ready for this one, we are getting ready to announce another show, and there's so much crazy stuff coming up uh, uh, that we'll have to tell you all about. But but subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we'll give you some backstage info on a lot of the great stuff coming up. And we're about ready to record a breaking concert news video, which you can find on the Arena Guys Facebook page, the Arena Guy, or on Twitter at underscore the Arena Guy, and all of my Arena Guy stuff. Uh, interviews with fans and information on shows. A lot of it's, uh, it, it complements the Schottenstein Center Nationwide Arena a lot, but there's some unique stuff on there too. So follow that. You know, it's uh, always a, a pleasure doing these here with you. And uh, I do want to uh, close things out here by letting you know that the uh, Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast is hosted by Gary the Arena Guy and Dave Rettelberger. Executive producers Aaron Thomas and Jordan Fair. Our producer is Oliver Zapata Ramirez. Special thanks to our special guest, Elton John expert, Jim McKay. And remember, listen to the Arena Guys Backstage Pass podcast with the Arena Guy and me, Dave Ruttleberger, wherever you get your podcasts. Including iTunes. Yes. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Elton John, November 2nd at the Schottenstein Center. We'll see you there. <laughs>